got your Bibles with you, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. I would imagine this is a pretty familiar passage to you. Uh, one of Jesus' famous invitations. Uh, a beautiful passage. And so uh, we're going to look at it anew this morning. And uh, before I get started, and just thinking about a Christian home and the rhythms and habits that make a home move, uh, when my seminary professor in pastoral ministry was uh, teaching, he said, you know, we can create a lot of habits that do a lot of good things, but maybe the most important habit you create is the habit where you do nothing. And I think that as I've even gotten into ministry, how that's proven so true. And so hopefully this morning, uh, it awakens you a hunger, a hunger for rest that Jesus invites us into. And so from Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding. You've revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, or anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray together. Lord, your word is truly a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. And it's an invitation into the life we've always been looking for. Our hearts are indeed restless until they rest in you. So Lord, I pray this morning as we, uh, we don't talk about the new, but we talk about something old, Lord, that you would awaken us a hunger for something you created for us, a gift for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you ever uh, are a student ministry small group leader, uh, generally speaking, uh, you always, you know, ask your students how they're doing every week. And you'll generally hear one of two replies. And I think that any small group leader would attest to this. You'll generally hear, oh, how are you doing? I'm tired and I'm busy. I'm tired and I'm busy. And believe it or not, I think that that's not just kept to students, but if I'm walking around uh, this room right now and I'm just talking to you and uh, I ask you, how are you doing? Would that be your answer? You know, we're just really busy right now as a family. We're really tired uh, as a family. And I think that there's a lot of things that contribute to that, right? There's school, there's work, there's weekend fun like football games or travel ball baseball, there's homework, there's cleaning the house, there's working on proposals at work, there's working on a master's degree if you're working on that, there's dinner parties that you have with friends, there's chorus, there's ballet, there's football, there's basketball practice, there's clay target meets, there's homecoming, there's church, there's small groups, there's life groups, there's the taking care of a sick and aged loved one, there's trying to survive the chaos of raising twins, there's yard work and the after hour moments you need maybe to finish up some from work that you didn't get done, right? There's the home improvement projects you need to go worry about today. There's some of you who are planning a wedding and all the marriage and preparation that's going on. There's many of you who are loading deer corn in your feeders ready for hunting season, right? There's so much traveling that you're doing to go see kids and grandkids, and that's all of the stuff that we plan for, not to mention all of the stuff that we could never plan for, all of the interruptions that come along the way. And I think it's no wonder that when we look at our lives, we go, wow, 
we are busy. Maybe we are tired. And, I, and this morning, I hope that as you hear me speak, you're not hearing this as a bad thing. Because a lot of the things that I just read off are incredible good things. They're the things that we live for, right? But as I read off that list, and as you were probably adding things in your head, my question for us is this. How's that going for us? In the midst of the craziness and the busyness of life that you sometimes might feel, do you feel fulfilled? Is this how things should be? Do you feel like your family has intentional time together? Maybe like what David and Sissy were talking about uh, this weekend. Or do you just feel like, you know what, I'm just holding on trying to manage a rat race. Do you ever feel like you truly get to see and spend time with your spouse? Or do you feel like your schedule just means, you know what, we're missing each other a lot? Do you ever feel like your faith and your walk with the Lord is vibrant? Or is your faith dying the death of a thousand other things that you just got to get done? Right? Do you maybe describe your life as, you know what, my life just feels like I'm constantly setting out fires. and I'm constantly in a hurry. And I think when we begin to ask those questions, if you're like me, you begin to want more than that. You begin to hunger for more than that, that we're moving so fast and we're so filled up that if we never stop to think that it's worth it. I love this quote from Jurassic Park, Dr. Malcolm, when he's talking about the park, he goes, you know what, we were so enamored by the thought that we could that we didn't stop to think whether or not we should. Right? We have such capacity such bandwidth to do a lot of things, but we never quite stop to think, you know what, is this what we ought to be doing? Is this what we should be doing? Is this what God intended for us? John Mark Comer, he wrote a book, uh, and he based it on this conversation that Dallas Willard and John Ortberg had together, and uh, Ortberg asked Willard, who's an extremely wise pastor when it comes to discipleship, he goes, what are the keys to spiritual growth? And Willard kind of takes a pause, and then he answers, to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. That if we want to be people who grow, that if we want to have homes that are places of faith, hope, and love, then the key, if we want to live as Jesus lived, the, Willard says the key is to eliminate hurry from your life ruthlessly. And how do we do that? And what I want us to come to this morning is I don't think that this is just some new solution that we need to have, but I think the answer is actually an old one. Uh, the prescription, the way that God intended for us to live unhurried and un, er, intentional lives is through Sabbath rest. And Sabbath, if that's a new word for you, the Sabbath uh, is a day of pause. It's a 24-hour day of pause throughout Scripture that God commanded where you, for one day out of seven days that you would take a break, that you wouldn't work, that you wouldn't labor, but what you would do instead is you would worship you would spend time in worship and delight of God and his creation and your family. And the key was that you didn't labor, that you rested. And the Sabbath is such an important part of scripture because we look back to God's, how he created the world. He created for six days and then on the seventh day, he rested. It, the Sabbath is enshrined in the Ten Commandments. It's the commandment number four, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. And those are Old Testament references, but if you want to come to the New Testament, it's mentioned time and time again. Jesus talks about it. If you continue to read past the passage where I just read, you're going to see 
that Jesus is going to teach on the Sabbath. Jesus talked about the Sabbath all the time, both implicitly and explicitly. And what I want us to see is that Sabbath rest is an important practice. And what's happened is that as the world has sped up its pace, as we've gained the ability to be more efficient and our capacity has grown, and what's happened is the Sabbath has lost its meaning. And what it's become is this act of duty rather than delight. It's no longer seen as a gift, a gift to us. So what I want us to do this morning is I just pray that the Holy Spirit would awaken in us a hunger for a practice like this. I want us to see what it, such a gift is, because even as I bring up the word Sabbath, some of you are immediately jumping to, okay, I've heard a couple sermons on this before. What are the rules? What are you, what's your specific interpretation on what a Sabbath is? And, and how can I explain to you that this doesn't work in a modern context? And this may frustrate you, but I'm not really going to go into all the things of how I believe the Sabbath ought to work. Because I don't think that's what God cares about. The Sabbath was created as a gift for you. And all my cards on the table, I do believe that the Sabbath is a 24-hour period with the focus on worship and delight in the presence of God. So I don't think the Sabbath is just two hours on a Sunday morning. I don't think it's many sprints throughout the week. You know, I believe it's practice on Sunday. But I also realize that we're all in different stages and seasons. Right, that Sabbath to Allison and I is not going to look like Sabbath to a family with toddlers. It's not going to look like Sabbath to a retired couple. But when we intentionally practice Sabbath, what's going to happen is it's going to change the way we view time. It's going to change the way we view work and rest. It's going to change the way we view ourselves. And I think as we live in such a crazy and busy world, the gift of Sabbath that God gives us, this habit, this rhythm, changes our lives and it leads us to the life that we've always been looking for. So what I want us to do is I want us to explore that. How does Sabbath give us the life we're looking for? And I think it does it in three ways. One, it affirms us. One, it limits us. And one, it, it calls us. So one, affirms. Two, limits. Three, it calls us. And so let's go into the passage here in Matthew chapter 11. And what you're going to see uh, in Matthew chapter 11 is that Jesus is giving an invitation to someone. That this invitation is for somebody specific, right? It's an invitation to somebody who has worked hard, who's weak, who's heavy laden. And it's an invitation to come and receive rest. And I want you to hold on to that point, that that invitation is to somebody specific. And some of you are going, man, you paid a lot of money for seminary for insight like that. I'm not sure how that's working out, right? That invitation is for somebody specific. And why is that so important? Well, I want you to fast forward back to ancient Egypt. You have Israel, who's God's chosen people. And in ancient Egypt, what were they? They were slaves. Each and every day, they got up and they worked hard and they built and they created and they made supplies for all of the different work projects that Egypt had going on. And I want you to imagine for a second, all you do is work. All you do is serve. No rest, no vacation, your own dignity as a human being is cast aside. Your sole purpose in life was to work. And your only value in Egyptian society at that point was what you could make or what you could produce. And that's it, right? To be an Israelite was to be a slave. 
And so fast forward a couple chapters in Exodus, and Israel has been freed from slavery. Moses leads them through the Red Sea and brings them to Mount Sinai where they're receiving the law, this constitution that, you know what, you are now not under Egypt, but you are the people of God, and things are different. And one of the things that God tells them is to honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy, right? You've been someone in Egypt whose only value was what you make or produce. But now, I want you to take a day off. I want you to take a day off from your labors because the reason is, I want to remind you that that's not who you are. Your value is not in what you make or produce for other people. Your identity, your foundation is that you are my people. You belong to me. You are my children. And everything you do from this point forward, I want you to remember that as your foundation. And us as the people of God, ever since that moment, we've been tempted to kind of flip that around, right? We fall into this trap all of the time that we believe, you know what, we truly are, our value is truly what we make or what we produce, right? I find it not a coincidence that when you meet somebody for the first time, you shake hands, you go, what's your name? What's the second question you ask? What do you do? Even when you meet kids, hey, what's your name? One of the questions that I always find myself in the trap, what sports do you play? What clubs are you a part of? Right, our work, our ability to produce or make things sometimes becomes the foundation of our worth and value. And God recognized us in us and he gave us a gift. Every week, every seventh day, stop, take a breath, take a pause, be reminded again, it's not about what you do, but that you belong to me, you are mine, you've been bought with a price based on nothing else that you've done, right? I think the Sabbath affirms in you who you are. It reminds you of the relationships that are worth cultivating. It invites you to delight in God and his creation anew. Uh, and I think that part of the reason why this is so important is because we live in a culture where I think, and I'm, I think I'm right in this, that mental health crises, I think are in part to the fact that we live this life of we constantly have to earn respect based on what we make or produce. And we constantly grind and grind and grind and we're realizing that we'll never get there. That we can work so hard and we never get there. You always need to be grinding. You always need to be boosting that college resume. You always need to be practicing. You aren't there yet in your career, so you need to work harder. You need to be more beautiful. You need to generate more content. And then when we slow down, God says that's not true, right? Part of the Sabbath is when you're single or newly married or in the throes of parenting is that each week you have an affirmation and you have an echo, an affirmation that you are enough for God. And then the echo is that one day we long for a Sabbath rest in heaven with God, and each and every Sabbath is just an echo of what we long for. So Sabbath affirms you. But then second, Sabbath limits you. If you keep going, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And if you're a farmer in agriculture, you get the picture, uh, a yoke was something that you put on an oxen, and then you would hook them to the cart, uh, and that allowed you to maybe hook up multiple oxen so that they could pull the cart that's stronger. But also, uh, the yoke allowed for you to control the oxen, right? If once you're yoked in, maybe to another oxen, you can't just do whatever you want because there's somebody else holding you there. It's a, it's a limit to you. And I think this illustration that Jesus uses is so interesting because the 
invitation to weary or to rest and an invitation away from weariness is not a promise that's free of constraint. It's not a promise that's free of constraint. In fact, I would say it's an opposite. The promise of rest is actually a promise that will limit you. Sabbath is a gift, but it also puts constraints on you. And I think that's part of why we buck against this idea so hard. Because many of us, rather than see the Sabbath as a gift or a break from God, we see it as something that takes away valuable time. Right? If we were to give up a day, truly give up a day, and not work, not do chores, not do the things that drain us, right? That seems like it limits what we can do to get done, right? It seems like it's actually putting a burden on us. And I think God would, we would say, well, God, are we really receiving rest if we feel like we're having a burden placed on us, right? Don't you want us to flourish? Don't you want us to succeed? Don't you want us to get these things off our back? Well, sure he does. But I don't think Sabbath is limiting your productivity or your enjoyment in life. I think we'll get to that in a moment. But Sabbath reminds you that you are a human being, that you can't do everything. From the beginning of time, humans were made with limits, right? We have to eat. We have to sleep. We have to drink. Otherwise, what happens? We die. We are made with limits. We can't just pass our limits. God designed us in such a way that when we live within our limits, we thrive. And if we don't live within our limits, we burn out and worse things happen. And that's true whether you're Christian or not, whether you believe in God or not. That's why we've had laws in this country in the past that limit what we do in a work week because we realize that when human beings work hard, they need a break. And yet in modern culture, I think things like our phones, things like the internet, things like money, Maybe more than anything else, these things have started to convince us that, you know what, maybe we can transcend our limits, right? No longer are you limited by your location. You can be reached anywhere, all the time. You can be in communication with anybody. And no longer are you limited or dependent on somebody else teaching you anything, right? You can go to the internet and find out anything you ever want to know about any subject ever. And you know what? Any problem you have, you know, money may not be able to solve it, uh, but it can sure help, right? That song, uh, money may not buy you happiness, but it can buy you a boat. <laughs> right? We live in a cultural current where we're slowly believing this lie that, you know what, the call of humanity is to transcend our limits. That's the promise of modern innovation. It's the promise of modern education. And the more and more we see that we transcend our limits, I think what we're starting to realize is the more and more we start to create new and scary problems for ourselves, right? You have a phone, so you're available anywhere all the time. But you know what that also means? You can't ever stop. You are available anywhere all the time. You have access to the world's knowledge through the internet. That's great, but you know what else? You also see its ugliness and the things you don't want to see and it's right in front of you. You know what, you have access to anything you want with money, well, guess what? You risk slowly becoming disconnected from other people because money can just be your mediator in any circumstance. See, we were created to be limited, and maybe nowhere else do we reinforce that like a Sabbath. Six days we work, and one day we rest. We stop, we say, hold on, let me remind you that you can't do everything 
and that's okay. And I think that's where the invitation becomes difficult. Because in order to truly live a Sabbath, that means that we have to say no to some good things in order to make room for better things. John Mark Comer, who I mentioned earlier, he says that a yes to one thing is a thousand no's to something else. And the Sabbath is going to remind us that we can only say yes to so many things. And I think part of the reason why Sabbath is such a helpful rhythm is because it doesn't actually belittle the value of the things you do. It doesn't diminish the value of things like travel ball. It doesn't diminish the value of things like dinner parties with friends or extra work on the weekend or the football game that you're making plans to go to. What it requires of us is to make value judgments in our families and for ourselves. And if our time is limited, if we're a human, we can't do everything. If our family's bandwidth is limited, is what we do worth it? Are we maximizing the first six days in light of the seventh day of rest? And then finally, uh, Sabbath challenges us. Sabbath challenges us. And what does it challenge us to do? Well, it challenges us to trust God. It challenges us to trust God. It challenges you to let go of something that you truly hold dear. I hold my time extremely dear. And it, and it challenges me to see, you know what? Will God do something with it? Right? Every Sabbath, when you take that day off with your family, you are trusting that God can do more with less. That God can do more with a day of inactivity than seven days of activity. And what I love about this is that this is a promise this is a promise of God. This is one you can take to the bank. You can say, God, you call me to this. I'm going to trust you, but show me. Show me why. And one of the things that I hear often is that it's not for a lack of wanting rest that we don't follow in this pattern, but it's, it's that we don't feel like we can. We don't feel like we can do that because if we stop, we were to live this way, then guess what? That means that our kids might fall behind. That means that they might lose opportunities that we don't want them to lose. That means for you, you may not be up for that promotion. That means we won't get our family to the place where we want them to be. Those are the lies that we throw around saying, you know what, we can't do this. The world doesn't work that way. But part of the problem is not, or part of the problem is not that our culture emphasizes productivity and grinding. But our culture expects it of all of us. I can't tell you the amount of times, even here, where I've heard somebody say, you know what, I wish I was more consistent at church, but, you know, this thing's at the same time. Or, hey, I really need to be here because I really need to honor this commitment. I think oftentimes what I hear is that, you know what, I want to prioritize faith and growth, but you know what, all the goals I have for my life, they just, they won't let me do it. And so let Sabbath be that challenge. Let Sabbath be the challenge. Do you need more to be happy? Do you need to be the agenda setter of your life in order to make sure that your life is fulfilling? Or do you want to take the leap? Say, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you with this. This is, a, this is a commitment to you. I'm going to put this before you. And God, show me that you're more than equal to my need. Meet me here. I think that's what's been so challenging this week when I've been looking through this is, you know, sometimes I don't believe that God is equal to that need that he's not going to fulfill me in the ways that I want to be fulfilled. So you know what? I'm not going to go down that road, but God is always equal to your need. Maybe not the way you expected it, but he always is. And when God makes you a promise, friends, I've never known God
to lay down on a promise. I'll close with this, that Elijah story that Tim read earlier. I love the finish of that story. Elijah is in a cave and says, go out before the presence of the Lord, and he, he waits. And remember, the earthquake comes in, and the fire comes in, and the storms come in. They're splitting the mountains. And then there's the low whisper. And when Elijah hears the low whisper, he knows that God's here. And he walks outside. My prayer for us is that we wouldn't move so fast as to miss the low whisper. That God invites us to rest from our work and to work from our rest. That God says you're enough. That God wants to limit you so as to not burn us out. And that God does want to challenge us sometimes. But he says, you know what? If you trust me, just watch what I'll do. Sabbath is a rhythm that does all of these things. And I think if we institute them in our families, if we live this way, as a church family, we're going to see that God is more than equal to our need. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you so much for this gift of rest that you call us into. Lord, that you call us to stop because we're more than enough for you. Lord, you call us to limit ourselves to experience the life that you truly call us to. And so, Lord, I pray that we would receive this challenge. This is a promise that when we come to you, we will receive rest. Help us slow down. Help us listen for the slow, quiet whisper. Lord, sometimes we move so fast as to miss your voice. Don't let us do that. Lord, we pray this all in Jesus' name. This is what we do it for. Amen.